Hey, it's Tuesday. The new episode of Two Degrees Hotter is out. It's my favorite Gen Z lifestyle and self-development podcast. I'm on my way over. Let's listen to the latest episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Two Degrees Hotter. I am one of your hosts, Kylie, but I am not joined by my co-host, Anya. Anya is on a work trip this week, and as you guys know, I was on a work trip with my boyfriend the week before, and so she did a solo episode, and now we're hitting you with another solo episode, but you're stuck with me this time. So I think this week we're going to talk a little bit about attachment theory generally, but specifically anxious attachment. Uh, Because that's what your girl has. Your girl is an anxious attached baddie. And I've been doing a lot of reflecting on it recently. And I kind of just want to shoot the shit about it. So that's what we are going to do today. Get ready. Buckle up. Uh, But first, let's get into my week in review. So as I said Last week, I was on a trip with my boyfriend. It was actually my very first trip with him. We had never gone away somewhere and like spent, I almost said spent the night together. (laughs) That's not true. Uh, But like spent the night together consecutive nights in a row. It was three nights, I think. We were there Monday through Thursday and we were in New York City and it was honestly really nice because we were both working. It was a good balance of not really seeing each other during the day. We would like try to meet up during lunchtime uh, if our like schedules allowed it. But I got to spend a lot of time just kind of exploring New York by myself. And then obviously him and I would come together at night and get dinner or see a show. Uh, We actually saw Moulin Rouge one of the nights, which was incredible. So, so good. I really, really liked it. The performers were unbelievable. I'm still like in shock at how good those actors and actresses were the girl that plays Satine who's like the main girl her voice was one of the best voices I've ever heard in my life I really have been trying to figure out how to describe just how good of a singer this woman is like she is so good and then Aaron Tevit I can't pronounce his last name but he originated the role of Christian which is the main guy character And he left the show a couple months back and was actually back and he's doing like a limited, I think a 12-week run on Broadway again with Moulin Rouge. So I got to see him in it. You might know him from the Les Mis movie along with countless other musicals. He is very, very critically acclaimed and talented. And so it was amazing to be able to see him perform live. That was like once in a lifetime raising the roof. And then other than that, Zach and I got dinner the first night that we were there, just the two of us. And then I got to meet one of his friends that lives out in the city for dinner uh, on a different night. And yeah, we just, we had a really good time. We got along really well and yeah, successful first trip. Uh, The weekend after the first trip was not as stellar and that's what we'll get into in this episode. Uh, But the trip itself was fantastic, and we are fine. Um, But yeah, led to a lot of reflection. I'll get into it in the episode. But yeah, let's get into my favorite. (music) 
Would you guys believe me if I told you that I had never owned anything from Lululemon? Would you believe me? It's the gosh darn truth. I'm not lying. I genuinely didn't own anything. I could not bring myself to spend $100 on one pair of leggings. Like it was just absurd. But especially being a dancer or and someone that like is into yoga, they're just everyone's wearing Lululemon and now that I have adult money, I was like, you know what? I should at least see what's worth the hype. And if I don't like them, then I okay. That's or I shouldn't even say if I don't like them. I knew I was going to like them because they're leggings. Like how and everyone wears them. How bad could they be? I didn't think I was going to dislike them, but I wasn't sure if I was going to consider them worth the money. I have leggings from like a ton of different places. I have Abercrombie, I have Fabletics, I have Old Navy, and I like them all a ton. So I was curious if I would actually consider them to be better than the cheaper alternatives that I own. Unfortunately, that is the case. Um, I see the hype. I get the hype. They're really, really nice. They're a really nice fit, a nice soft material. I just got a black pair because I figured, again, if they weren't like my absolute favorite, I knew I would get a lot of wear out of a black pair of leggings. I, I really like them, <laughs> which is so sad. I don't want to like them because they're so expensive, but they are really, really nice. They're great quality. And I do really want to try the um, CRZ or crazy yoga leggings that are on Amazon because apparently those feel very similar and I love the feel of the Align material, but I think I might just be a Lulu girly moving forward. I also got the free to be bra also just in black so that it was like a matching set. And again, I feel like black is tried and true. I know I'm going to get a lot of use out of black pieces. And I also really like that. Not as much as the aligns. They're not like an aligned material. And the sizing is definitely weird. I got an eight in both the top and the leggings for reference. I think an eight is right for my top. If anything, I probably could have fit into the 10. Uh, and I think I could have taken a six in the leggings. They're not I was saying to Anya, they're not big enough for me to return them. Like I'm still going to get plenty of use out of them at the eight. But the next time I get a pair of aligns, I'll probably get, I'll size down to a six. Because uh, I think those might be a little bit more snug around my waist, which would be helpful. Because I do notice a little bit of falling. Nothing crazy. I have leggings that fall way worse. But a little bit of falling from the size eight. I lost my train of thought for a second. So sorry. So yeah, but it's really unfortunate I'm really sad about it. And one of our rehearsals is above a Lululemon store for dance. It's not going to be good. It's not going to be good. It's going to be bad, in fact. That's what it's going to be. So anyways, that's my favorite. That's my week in review. Let's dive right on into anxious attachment styles. But first, we're going to take an ad break. I need to remember when Anya's not here, I need to remember to tell you guys that we're taking an ad break. And it's coming at a great time because my radiator is turning on and clinking. So stay tuned. I'll be back once the ad is over and the radiator's not clinking. All right, I am back. My radiator is still clanking, but she's taking her sweet time. Uh, she's not ready to be done yet. She has a lot to say about attachment theory and I don't blame her. So I figured to start this episode, I would first go into like a extremely high level summary of what attachment theory is, what the four different types are, what the majority of people are, 
And then I'll dive into anxious attachments specifically. I feel like I know the most about anxious attachments because I have an anxious attachment style. And so I feel like I can speak to it a bit more and, you know, offer my own personal anecdotes. But to start, attachment theory is a psychological, evolutionary, and ethological theory concerning relationships between humans. The most important tenet is that young children need to develop a relationship with at least one primary caregiver for normal social and emotional development. So a lot of attachment theory stems from the relationship that you had with your parent, parents, or guardians as a child and the way that they were able to emotionally meet your needs growing up. So there are four different types of attachment. There's secure attachment, avoidant attachment, anxious attachment, which is also called anxious preoccupied, depending on where you're looking, and disorganized attachment, which I've also seen called anxious avoidant attachment. The vast majority of people have a secure attachment style. So people who are securely attached appreciate their own self-worth and ability to be themselves in their relationships. And they openly seek support and comfort from their partner and are similarly happy when their partner relies on them for emotional support. But they are pretty, for lack of a better word, calm, cool, collected when it comes to relationships. There isn't a lot of overthinking or second guessing that comes when two securely attached people form a relationship with each other. Uh, they both have enough self-worth and self-confidence and understanding of their worthiness of love to act as such in their relationship. They trust their partner. They're open with their partner. They're not you know, worried or anxious that their partner is going to leave them. They accept it for what it is. And even if that relationship does come to an end, securely attached people tend to have a better outlook on dating and the outcomes that come from that. They have a lot of trust in the fact that they are capable of being in romantic relationships and finding romantic partners. And so they'd find the dating process to be not as stressful because they know their partner is out there and that if they've been in a successful relationship before that came to an end for whatever reason, they can do it again. So from what I've found, about like 60-ish percent of the population has a secure attachment. So the majority of people are securely attached. Good for you guys. But that leaves a good 40% of us that are not securely attached. So what does that look like? I am not going to cover avoidant or disorganized attachments, mainly because I don't know a lot about them, other than that I do not have an avoidant or a disorganized attachment. I have an anxious attachment. So that's kind of what I'm going to dive into. Roughly 20% of people have an anxious attachment style, which makes up the vast majority of that sort of second half of people. If, you know, a little more than half of people are securely attached, most people in that second half of avoidant, anxious, or disorganized are anxiously attached. And that includes me. So that's a lot of people. If you think 20% of people on the face of the planet have an anxious attachment style, we're talking millions and millions of people that feel this way. And so I think a big thing, just starting off this episode, that I want to express is a huge part of why I wanted to make this episode was so that anyone else who's also anxiously attached doesn't feel so alone, doesn't feel so crazy. Um, And that sounds like dramatic, but if you have an anxious attachment style and you've been triggered by your anxious attachment style, then 
you literally feel crazy sometimes. You have you don't feel like yourself. You feel like you've completely lost control. A lot of the times if you have an anxious attachment style, you also have some sort of other anxiety disorder. Uh, for me, I have generalized anxiety as well. And it can be really all-consuming and overwhelming and really shameful. And so I wanted to sort of like use this platform and expose myself as someone with an anxious attachment and talk a little bit about how I've seen that manifest in my own relationship. Number one, to help you feel less alone. And number two, to give you some tips on how to start becoming more securely attached. I'm at the very beginning of this stage and I am nowhere near as securely attached in my relationship or just generally as I would like to be. But it is something that I have been really focusing on a lot recently. And so I kind of want to make this episode as like a way to hold myself accountable as well. And I would love to even do like an update episode on how implementing certain practices has helped me become securely attached, what my updates are, what my struggles have been, what has been easier to, you know, overcome. So that way, again, it's giving you guys the tools to know where to start, what to do, because The most important thing about attachment theory is that you are not stuck with the attachment that you have. A lot of, like I said, a lot of the uh, factors that play into your attachment as an adult stems from your childhood, but that doesn't mean that you have to be anxiously attached for the rest of your life and in every relationship that you have. It takes work and time and reflection, but you can become more securely attached. So I'll get into that as well. But let's start with what an anxious attachment is, what causes it. So anxious attachments can be caused by a lot of things, but the sort of like defining characteristic or like overarching theme to all of the causes is that anxiously attached people had their emotional needs really inconsistently met as they were growing up. So this could look like having a parental figure that when you got upset at times was able to provide you with the things that you needed to have your emotions met. They, you know, empathized with you. They talked you through your emotions. They allowed you to feel those emotions. They helped you come up with resolutions and self-soothing tactics for those remote for those emotions. While other times you may have been met with uh I don't want to say neglect, but like your feelings being ignored, your feelings being met with negative emotions like sadness or anger or you know, your parent inserting their own problems when you're trying to express your emotions, something like that. It can look like that. It can look like your emotional needs always sort of being met with that anger from your primary caregiver and only getting your emotional needs met from outside sources. There's a lot of ways that this could happen, but that's like the key, that's the crux of it is that it was inconsistently met. And as a result of your emotional needs being inconsistently met, you now fear the response that you will receive to emotional vulnerability from your given partner. You second guess your worthiness for love and care. You need constant reassurance that your partner wants to be in a relationship with you, still likes you, still loves you, whatever it may be, and are overly sensitive to their partner's actions and moods. Uh, A lot of the times because your needs were being so inconsistently met as a kid, you tried to decipher patterns of when you were going to get a good response to your emotions and when you were going to get a bad response to your emotions. As an adult, it manifests in really taking note of small behavioral changes. So maybe your partner normally responds to your texts within an hour of you sending it. 
if one day they take three hours to respond, your brain will latch onto that and overthink everything and catastrophize every possible outcome. That could be why he's taking longer to respond in that given instance. So from personal experience, having an anxious attachment style can make being in a relationship really, really stressful and anxiety-inducing even when the relationship itself is objectively good and healthy. At its best, you're constantly fighting an inner anxious dialogue that tells you that you aren't worthy of the love that you're receiving in your relationship. And at its worst, it's completely catastrophizing the fate of your relationship over a small blip or fight or disagreement. I put it in the script, I put in parentheses, that is so cringe, guilty. I hope you guys know that TikTok sound, but that's how I felt when I was doing my research. I was like, catastrophizing after the smallest little fight? guilty. (laughs) My bad. I'll tell you guys the story of what led me to making this episode and just like really taking attachment theory more seriously. I had read Attached. uh, I can't remember the authors off the top of my head, but I'll link it in the show description. I'm sure you guys have heard of it. It went pretty viral on TikTok, I'm pretty sure, a couple years ago. A lot of people know about it, but it, it goes over attachment theory in depth. Uh, So I definitely recommend reading that after listening to this episode because obviously I'm speaking more so from number one, just my understanding from reading other sources on anxious attachment and number two, just from my own experience knowing that I have an anxious attachment style. So definitely read that book from an expert. But I, I had read that and was like, yep, I'm an anxious attachment style, but I wasn't in a relationship at the time that I read that book. And so it's really hard to actually do work, at least in my experience, it's hard to do work on your attachment style when you're not in a relationship Uh, because a lot of the times being in a relationship or having a romantic partner in some way, maybe you guys are just like dating, but you're consistently dating one person or even consistently dating like multiple people. That's what triggers your anxiety. And it's hard to track what triggers your anxious attachment if you're not dating and you're not having it triggered almost. I hope that makes sense. But I feel like I read that book. I wasn't really, I was single, wasn't really dating, was like, yep, I have an anxious attachment. Dated, definitely had signs of an anxious attachment while I was dating other people, but didn't date anyone consistently enough to like actually care to put in the work. I hope that doesn't sound bad, but it's the truth. Like I was just like, oh, this is like dating is stressful and anxiety inducing and I just have to deal with it because I'm Kylie and I have anxiety. Uh, And now that I'm in a relationship for a longer period of time, the longest period of time that I've ever been in a relationship, I obviously am, my anxious attachment is being triggered on a more regular basis. And I don't say that to like put my partner on blast. It's not necessarily his fault. There's ways that he can help and we'll get into that. But obviously being in a relationship, that's going to show you triggers that you never knew you had when you were single. Uh, Especially for me with this being my first relationship. Basically what happened was, I'm like, little story. My boyfriend and I went on this vacation or on this trip to New York and then we came back and he had sort of a difficult thing going on in his life I asked if he needed support and I was met with not the best response. And that basically triggered a bit of a disagreement between the two of us where we sort of had to talk it out. Uh, It was really the first time that I had ever been like pretty immediately upset at something that he had said to me and felt 
brave enough to like bring that forward, which is something that we've talked about a lot. My fear of conflict, that's also a sign of an anxious attachment. But anyways, that's neither here nor there. The important thing is that we basically got into our first, I call it fight with quotes because it wasn't a fight in the sense of yelling, mad, angry, all of that fun stuff. But like we definitely needed to like hash out each other's perspectives to see where the other person was coming from. So I consider that to be a a disagreement, a fight for all intensive purposes. And even though in that moment we were able to resolve it and have a good conversation about it, I did find myself feeling really anxious after the fact. That's very common if you have an anxious attachment style. You know, you get into a fight, it's the first little blip in that relationship and you worry that your partner is mad at you, isn't feeling as resolved in the conflict as you are feeling, is going to change their mind about how they feel about the conflict, is going to leave you because they can't get over your perspective maybe. It sounds, if you have a secure attachment style, this probably sounds like absurd, like why would you go to those extremes? But if you have an anxious attachment style, you're probably like, hell yeah, been there, sister. So that's like what happened. I was feeling pretty anxious. I knew that objectively we had resolved it, but I was worried that the other shoe was going to drop. This happened to coincide. It was kind of a perfect storm with him not being super responsive on his phone in the days following this disagreement for reasons that were completely unrelated to the disagreement. And so I immediately just assumed he was mad at me. He was never going to talk to me again, was trying to figure out how to break up with me. And I was just a mess. I was really, really panicked. It felt like something so small was just like completely unraveling my relationship. And I felt a lot of regret for bringing anything up because I didn't think that anything that we had talked about was worth our relationship ending over. Like I was just, I was a mess. I was an absolute mess. And I finally got on FaceTime with my boyfriend And he was so confused as to why I was so upset because from his perspective, number one, the conversation that we had wasn't even really a fight. It was just a conversation about our two perspectives on something. And because he didn't consider it to be a fight and didn't realize that that could cause me a lot of anxiety in the days following, he just kind of carried on his life business as usual. He had some things that he had to attend to in those coming days and didn't think that they would trigger me into thinking that our relationship was over because it wasn't that big of a deal in his eyes. And I think this is a really good example of an anxious attachment at play. It An anxious attachment or someone with an anxious attachment makes mountains out of molehills because you're always operating under this assumption that your relationship is too good to be true or your partner is going to leave you. They're going to realize you're not worth the time. The other shoe is going to drop and it will all be your fault. And you just constantly feel like an emotional burden uh, because you have such big emotions. And well, I guess I shouldn't even say that. You don't even necessarily have big emotions, but you were just taught from a very young age that your emotions were a bad thing. And so anytime you bring up any emotions other than, you know, happiness, contentment, it's really, really scary. And it feels like everything is slipping out from under you and it's not fun. (laughs) So that I, again, I'm kind of using that as an example of like what an anxious attachment style can look like at play. It also like everyone's different. Everyone's anxious attachment is going to manifest differently. For some people, it's constantly worrying that their partner is cheating on them 
or that their partner is going to leave them for someone else or that their partner doesn't really love them but just you know doesn't want to leave their relationship for whatever reason like there's a lot of different ways that it stems out but this was the first time that I was like oh like my anxious attachment is overwhelming and something has to change in order for me to not only just feel more comfortable in this relationship because I don't deserve to feel this anxious in a relationship that is objectively very good for me and also to not self-sabotage my relationship because while my partner should want to support me and help me with my anxiety, this is a lot. It's a lot to ask of a person to manage this and I'm not saying that like I'm necessarily going to scare my partner off or that you should be worried about scaring your partner off but you also if you have a good partner you owe it to them to do what you can to lessen that anxiety as much as possible or at the very least come to them with tangible reasonable actions that they can do to help lessen that anxiety as well. So that kind of perfectly leads into the next section, which are just four ways to start becoming more securely attached. These are again, like kind of high level beginner steps to sort of gaining a bit more control over your anxious attachment. I think step number one is finding out that you have an anxious attachment. If you aren't sure, there's so many quizzes online that you can take that will tell you what attachment style you have but you really do need to own up to the fact that you have an anxious attachment style in order to overcome it and also accept that your anxious attachment has a little bit of control over you at this moment in time. I mean, if you felt in control of your anxious attachment style, you wouldn't be feeling the need to become more securely attached because you're probably more securely attached than you think. Um, So that's step number one. Yeah. first step is admitting you have a problem, but that is step number one. You have to figure out what attachment style you have. Step number two is, well, I shouldn't even say step number two. You don't have to do these in this order, but tip number two is to control your anxious dialogue. Um, So if you have an anxious attachment style, you know what I'm talking about. It's this sort of inner negative dialogue that sort of keeps you in a cycle of anxiety, weighs you down. It's the voice that tells you that your partner is cheating on you, tells you that your partner is mad about at you, tells you that your partner is taking a while to respond because they're trying to figure out how to break up with you. Like it tells you all of that stuff. Start to recognize when you're having those thought patterns, when you're having that anxious dialogue and write down those negative thoughts to get them out of your head. Thank those anxious thoughts for trying to protect you. And then think of moments when your partner has actually proven those thoughts wrong. So an example that I found online is, you know, if you open up to you, you could have an anxious thought that if you open up to your partner, they'll leave you. But can you think of a time that you were emotionally vulnerable or opened up to your partner? Did they leave you? Odds are, if you're still in a relationship, the answer is no. So keep fighting those anxious thoughts with fact. And that's going to take a little bit of time to build. Obviously, if you're in like a brand new relationship or newly dating someone, and you haven't really opened up to them, you don't necessarily know if they're going to leave you, but opening up doesn't need to be like trauma dumping from your childhood. Like it could be sharing like a small little detail about yourself that, or an insecurity maybe, uh, and seeing how they react. That's opening up. That's being vulnerable. And if they react positively, okay, now you're accumulating those positive experiences to fight your anxious 
thoughts with, it's really, really, really important to do that and argue with the voices that tell you you are unworthy of love. Ask yourself why you are not worthy of love. If you're a listener of this podcast, I have a sneaking suspicion that you are a good person at heart. And so if you are a good person, you are worthy of love. If you are a person, you are worthy of love. Being a person is very complex. Being a human is complex. It's emotionally taxing. And because you are going through that, you are worthy of love no matter what. So constantly argue with that voice. You are worthy of this. You are worthy of a partner that cares about you, that loves you, that is willing to go through the tough times with you. And you just have to keep saying that to yourself until you believe it. So then tip number three is to actually talk to your partner. So I've kind of alluded to this throughout the episode, but it is important to remember that your partner cannot fix your anxious attachments on your own, on their own. And it really is your responsibility to sort of lead the charge when it comes to becoming more securely attached. Because at the end of the day, you are doing it for your relationship, but you're doing it for yourself. Your current partner might not be your forever partner, but if you work on your attachment now, that'll help you in any future relationships that may come after your current partner, if that's the case. Or it'll make your relationship with your current partner better and help it last longer. So I do think that the onus is on you to take control of that anxiety and do what you can. But I'm sure there, I I know there are little ways that your partner can help you feel less anxious. And that takes a little bit of work to figure out how your partner can best support you in a way that is like reasonable to your partner. But try to think of ways for them to like help you feel less anxious and be open to having a dialogue because your partner has every right to set up boundaries and say no to doing certain things for whatever their reasons may be. And so you need to be willing, you can't go into that conversation saying like, hey, I need you to do this. Go into it more so in the mindset of, hey, it would help me a lot if you were more proactive about this. See what they say, go back and forth, come to a compromise. I think that's really important. So a good example with sort of the incident that I had with my own partner, I asked my boyfriend if he could be a bit more mindful of just giving me a heads up when he knows he has a busy day. Uh, And I understand that he's not always going to know that he has a busy day or that things will just come up and he won't be able to, you know, be at my back and call 24-7 and that's not what I want. But if he knows going into a day that it's going to be pretty swamped and that he's going to be off of his phone for a while, giving me that heads up at the beginning of the day helps me throughout the day know that when I'm not hearing from him, it has nothing to do with me or our relationship. It is just because he has a busy day. Um, And that's something where, you know, we kind of went back and forth on how to get to this resolution and had to talk about sort of what the expectations were behind this. But it is a small thing that he can do. No one's too busy to send you a 30-second text that says, have a really busy day today, won't be able to talk until later tonight. Cool. See you later tonight. Now I get to spend my whole day being like, yep, I haven't heard from him, but that's because he is busy and he told me and I will hear from him later tonight. So that's an example. Obviously, like I said, anxious attachments aren't one size fits all. So what may help less in my anxiety won't necessarily help less in yours, but that's 
you know, open up that dialogue with your boyfriend because if you have a good partner, they should be willing to support you in some way. It just, you cross a line when you expect them to sort of fix it for you. Another thing is to regulate your nervous system. So like all anxiety, anxious attachments really operate in sort of like a fight or flight mode. A lot of the time, certain uh, behaviors from your partner or whoever you're dating will specifically trigger your attachment and cause you to go into this like fight, flight, or freeze mode where you start catastrophizing, overthinking, fortune telling, all of those fun, not so fun things. So really learning to regulate your nervous system and calm yourself is the best way to go about taking you out of those um, anxious thoughts. So one thing that I actually kind of want to try in my life, I don't do this currently, it's called cold regulation. So one way to do this is like when you're taking a shower for the last 15 seconds, blasting it onto cold and sitting under the cold stream for, you know, those 15 seconds or so. Because uh, what this does is it slightly triggers your nervous system. It triggers that fight or flight mode. And the more you do it, the more your body gets accustomed to calming yourself down, bringing yourself down from that sort of sudden spike. So that's one way to do it. Like I said, I've never tried this, but I'm curious to try it. There's grounding exercises. I forget the exact name of this exercise, but my therapist told me about it where when you're feeling really anxious, try to think of five things that you can see, four things that you can hear, three things that you can touch, two things that you can smell, and like one thing you can taste. or some, It's something like that where you're activating all of your senses and it really helps ground you and bring you back to reality. Um, and then just like basic breathing techniques of so taking deep breaths, square breathing, all of that fun stuff. You can look up different ways to regulate your nervous system and decide what works for you. But those are some proven, I want to say quick fix ways, but ways where if you start to feel yourself getting up into that anxious mode, these can help bring you back down um, before you get a little too overwhelmed. And then the last tip that I have is to honor your inner child because behind every anxiously attached person is a hurt child, even if you didn't realize at the time as a kid you were being hurt. So I think it's really important to accept that and that doesn't mean that you have to hate your primary caregiver or, you know, be mad at them or take anything out on them. It's very possible that they were doing the best that they could with the tools that they had, uh, but that doesn't change the fact that the way that your emotional needs were met led you to feeling this way as an adult. um, So it's important to, like, feel a lot of empathy for that inner child and thank them for wanting to protect you and being so vigilant about protecting you from perceived pain. And also try to thank them and let them go so that you can have a more secure relationship as an adult because you deserve that. Like we talked about, you deserve a more secure relationship. You deserve the love that you are receiving. If you're in a relationship, you deserve the love that you dream of. If you are not in a relationship, regardless of your attachment style and regardless of what you may have gone through as a kid. So honor them, thank them, and then let them go uh, so that you can have a happier and healthier relationship. 
But yeah, that is everything I have for this episode. I feel like this was like psychology Kylie came out. If you are a psychologist and you want to fact check me, please submit to our anonymous suggestion box. Because like I said, I did my own research. I've been reading a lot about attachment theory and anxious attachment specifically. So this is my understanding of it from the research and education that I've done. But I am definitely not an expert. I highly recommend checking out that book, Attached. I recommend checking out the book, Anxious Attachment No More. I'm almost done it, but it's been very validating as someone with an anxious attachment style. I am considering purchasing something called the 21 Day Challenge for anxious attachments. So I'm, I'll am i link that below and I'll keep you guys posted in upcoming episodes. Maybe I'll make it a favorite if I end up really liking it. Uh, and then there's also a podcast, which I haven't listened to, but in sort of the research I came across it and I've heard very good things. I believe it's called On Attachment. Let me double check. Yes, On Attachment. Uh, There are specific episodes for each of the attachment styles. I think there's one on how to heal an anxious attachment style. So another great way, especially if books aren't really your thing, uh, a podcast could be a good thing to work with. So yeah, with that being said, make sure to follow us on Instagram at two degrees hotter. Make sure to leave us any advice you need or correct me on my psychological deliverance in our anonymous suggestion box. Uh, Rate us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts because it really helps our show out. And with that, we'll be back to chat with you guys next Tuesday. Bye guys. (laughs) 